Hello, you're very welcome to another episode of See You at Yours with myself, Matt McGinn. It is my pleasure to have on this episode the incredible singer, songwriter, and generally lovely fella, Mr. Foy Vance. And I won't keep you from it for too long, except just to say, if you do like the podcast, leave a nice review and a five-star rating. It goes a long way. And also, many thanks to Two Stacks Whiskey. They're an incredible, independent Irish whiskey distillery, and they have come up with a beautiful range of whiskey that you really should check out at twostackswhiskey.com. And my thanks to them for supporting this episode. Now, folks, let's jump right in to see you at yours with Foy Vance. Would you look at that? Is this your wee man cave here, is it? Yeah, do you know what? I was literally just admiring yours there. I've got a perfect uh, perfect view of it. I'm thinking that's a that's an ideal little man cave. Yeah, this is mine. The only other place I was was in Dumvarnik. This old house around the corner here that I, I use for various things. Like, rec- you know, anytime I need to get a few folks together to record or write. I will always go around to Dunvarlick. It's a trip, actually. It's like going back in time. The, the, the couple that own it, real bohemian sort, you know. Uh, like, you know, she she makes jewellery and he works one day a week on this uh, sort of this, this thing that he designed that extracts information from DNA. You know, this these tiny little, he, he, he sort of like, like almost like an inkjet thing that sort of aspirates and like sucks this information out of DNA. And then the rest of the time, he just uh, makes this weird music about, uh, you know, like sort of I don't know what you, how you would describe the music he makes with Ryan uh, Starwheel Press is their band. It's just fucking mental. It's kind of like a yeah, like acid folk. I don't know what you would call it. So yeah, just a really interesting couple. But they've kind of you know people like that. And I, I as I always find anyone that's in, interested in something highly interested in something, they're always mad interesting folks, right? And he's kind of. They're mad interested in this house as well. So everything, when they got it, uh, when, and they had to replace a, a, a panel on the wall or something, he wouldn't replace it unless it was like for like. You know, the same wood from the same era from another house or whatever. You know, it was always like for like. So the, it's like a flipping set piece, man. It's gorgeous. Sometimes I come out here to work. I'm meant to be working or, you know, there's a song that I'm chewing on or so, a mix that I'm working on or whatever. But I just come and sit and just be quiet for a while. Just sit and don't even don't play anything. Just sit here for a minute in the peace and quiet. It's lovely. See, so you're in daddy daycare mode as well. Sometimes where it's like, I mean, it's 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 gorgeous and it's classic, but holy shit, it's it's a day's work, right? But where's it? I got in so much trouble for uh, bitching about family on my podcast. I, I must have done it a lot, apparently. <laughs> Ella was going every time you talk about your family, it's like you don't like us. <laughs> The reason why I sort of started doing this podcast is because you sort of get wrapped up in the world that you're in and this sort of like, you know, the man cave and all that there. I sort of find that if I want to do something fun, I generally feel less guilty about it if I can associate it with work. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, uh, and I don't know if that's just like a self-employed thing or a music thing or whatever, where you just feel like any free time you have has to be put into working harder. That's not a bad attitude. Well, I just sort of thought if I want to make myself be a bit less of a hermit and have a conversation with people, then this is one way to go about it, you know. Was that maybe the same for yourself? Well, do you know what? Yeah, well, the, the idea for a podcast I've been around for a while. In fact, I, I was uh, getting some uh, stuff off these mini discs a few months back. Mini disc, I remember mini disc? 
you know, well, I had a load of them, and you know, uh, that I'd made recordings. Um, anyway, I was getting stuff off it, and I found this old thing of, of me in like 2000, before Ella was born or anything, in like 2000, saying, well, it's me trying one of these podcast things. Everyone's talking about them. They seem to be all the rage. So they've been around for a while, haven't they? Yeah, but shit, if you had got on it in 2000, you would be the king of the podcast now. Like. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, there must have been plenty around at the time for me to for me to have uh, caught wind of it. But I, you know what, it always, it always been there, like uh, as something, you know, should, should we do one? But I just never had the, never had the time nor the inclination. And then this, kind of much like yourself, this lockdown happened and it was a, felt like a, a way of staying connected to a wider world or something. I don't know, it was good. It was good. And it was just a bit of crack, really. You know, there was nothing, there was no, yeah. uh, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts that are, I listen to because they're informative and they're mind expanding or whatever. I knew my my podcast was not going to be that, <laughs> you know. Just no, 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 no. This is not about mind altering realities. This is about if you're going to die, what's your last meal and what are you going to listen to? What sort of podcast are you listening to? Do you know what Blind Boy? I listen to Blind Boy a fair bit. Uh, he's just incredible. That's one clued in human being right there. You know, really has yeah. dedicated clearly a lot of time to educating himself on you know. Uh, he, he's clearly interested in it, you know what I mean? It comes across everything he talks yeah. about. You can tell he's got a real, uh, a real thirst for it, you know. Blind boy for president, all the way. Yeah, yeah, all the way. Man's oh. man's man's lethal. He he'd be the he'd be the sort of the most go to one to be honest with you. A Russell Brand from time to time, depending on who he's got on. I, I, I've got he a is. soft spot for Russell. David McWilliams, the yeah. Economist. He's brilliant. He's like an Irish economist. And he's actually, it's funny, he's married to, and he openly talks about the fact that he's married to like a DUP supporter from Ballymena's daughter. So there's him from Dublin and he's very sort of liberal and, and constantly talks about the chats he has with his father-in-law from Ballymena. You know? <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Uh, that's right. Uh-huh. There's a time to talk about it. A time to live it up. Time to sit in silence A time to cry about it A time to laugh it up A time for stillness in the water Be my daughter I was thinking about this the day where it's like that lockdown was just sort of Finally, I dragged the whole world down to my level. Sort <laughs> <laughs> of slightly hermit, you know, drinking a little bit more. Yeah, it's kind of happened to us all. You know, we've, I think everyone's had that moment where we've gone, right, hang on, I need to really, it's it's not even one o'clock yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not even one o'clock yet. Are we drinking in the day now? Is that what we're doing? You must be glad that you were spent in 2020 in Aberfeldy. Yeah, yeah. You know, rather than, you know, the middle of London or something like that. There. Yeah, well, we were there for a bit and we were going to go back, but never so glad to get out of there. You know, uh, great a place as it is. It was not good, not good for my mental health. The best of times being in the city, being in the city during a time like this was pretty wild. Very glad to be back here, you know, where even even when it's when it goes proper lockdown, which it has a couple of times, you know, the, the minute the pubs are shut and all that crack, you still get to go out and walk. You know, go walk by the river. You know what I mean? That's the thing. Like you know, you know where I am. Like you know, it's it's one of the freaking most beautiful places in the world. Like, and it just, it never really felt like we were hindered in any way. Like mm. because like a mile down the road and you're the mountains and all just in front of you. Mm -hmm. And it must be the same with you. Like in the foot of the highlands. Like. 
Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And listen, I, much like yourself, the sounds of it, don't do much, but, you know, have breakfast, come out to the studio, work, go in, have lunch, come out to the studio, work, go in, have dinner, put Wayne's the bed, come out to the studio, work, you know what I mean? No, nothing much changed, really. Uh, I hadn't planned on touring. The, well, actually, I had a tour in the diary for in uh, February, March, which I pulled. But even before lockdown happened, before I knew anything about this, I had already pulled that. Uh, first and last tour I'll ever pull. I felt terrible about it, but I just knew. I didn't, I didn't want to be on the road. I just couldn't do it. Where was that for it was, uh, I was going to be going on the road with Anderson East through the States, which made me feel double bad that, it, you know, it impacted on him and, you know, his band and whatnot. It was, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was, I, I didn't feel good about doing it, but I also knew I'd, I'd bit off more than I could chew. I knew that this year was, I had to, I had to just stop, I had to stop for a minute, you know. Another wee boy now, uh, who was, Born in May, so that was happening as well. It was like, you know. I didn't know that. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, another wee boy now. He's six months. So I would have missed so much shit if I had been on this tour. And also I was at that stage where I, anytime I go on tour, I just get so low that the only way to get through it is just to drink my way through it. You know, and I come home pickled and good for nothing. Yeah. Uh, so I just, I called it. I was like, I need to. I need to stay at home. So and then this shit happened, and kind of like you, it felt like the rest of the world came down to the same level. Yeah, touring the world can be a wonderful sort of concept, but the practicality of it, whenever I suppose you have family at home and and everything, like it must be, uh, it must be tough. Like absolutely, absolutely. I know. Hear me sitting, you know, bitching about having to turn a tour down in the states. I'm sure there's folks thinking, "What? Get your fucking <laughs> mind. That would be great." You know, but but the, the truth is, yeah, it's like you know when you've got a you've got a growing family, uh, you know, and at pertinent ages as well. You know, this year it's like there's a lot there's a lot of shit happening. Being away from that and just you know sitting in the back of a van with eight other farting blokes. I know the smell of most of those farts. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So stay at home. It's not quite wrong. Just not right well, At least I see It in this light See hope once caused A man is life And the dreams he dreamt Are dead tonight Basically what I'm thinking, right, is that you sign up to a label and there's this guy that says to you, okay, well, this is the strategy. You're going to take over this territory and then we're going to do this and then we're going to be... And you sort of say, how long are we a second here? This is the strategy here and you present him a bucket list. You know, we record with like Tom Waits's uh, engineer, Shakir, and then after that, um, there's Memphis, you know, Muscle Shows. I have to go and play with those ones and do an album there. I have to sell out the Ulster Hall. That's always been on the bucket list. I mean, it just feels like, do you just lead with the heart and have people's puzzling going, ah, that's not the way we normally sort of work, but... Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. That's not the way we normally should, like, especially with that, those two albums that we released. You know, that was a that was a whole big hoo-ha. But thankfully, they're, you know, the label are very supportive, but they were like, what? You want to do what? <laughs> 
<laughs> like why that's you know you know uh but listen there's never been a why when it comes to put put music out for me really um that was literally i i did that that was a uh those last two records from uh from muscle shoals into memphis were uh like I would have paid to have done them and actually offered, said to the label, look, I understand this is not going to sell what a big label like you want this to sell. Yeah. You know, so I'm not expecting you to foot the bill here. I'm happy to pay for this myself. And I would have done it just as a, just a project for my own self because it was like you know, three days in the studio for the Memphis one, six, six days in the studio for the Muscle Shoals one. trailer said we don't, we don't really know what we're going to get out of this here we're yeah. going to get a couple of tunes all of a sudden you get like almost like a full album in a day so was the plan always to record the two albums well there were meant to be two eps so so here's the thing november 4th 2017 i played my last gig it was a solo tour it was in the union chapel in london and as of that night the plan was i'm not touring again until I'm good and ready. I ended up going out for two weeks in 2019 last year, end of last year. But I'd been off the road that whole time to focus on a new album. And in doing that, I, I, you know, the songs weren't really coming thick and fast for the next album. So I was just doing pragmatic shit, housekeeping shit, you know, like going through old songs, going through old ideas, working, working on some old ideas. But sort of going through the old songs, I started categorizing them. And then I realized that you know, thought, well, there's, there's an album's worth of stuff. Uh, and then thought, well, why don't the, instead of busting a gut to get an album out, you know, what's the rush? Uh, this is, this would be interesting. I'd quite enjoy doing this. You know what I mean? And then when we got to, when we got the Muscle Shoals, I'd kind of had a feeling that Memphis was going to move even quicker than Muscle Shoals had. Cause that was, tr that was trickier stuff really, you know, to capture musically, but it still moved pretty quick. It still moved pretty quick. So when we left there, I think we recorded uh, six songs in the two days, third day mixed. And then when we were driving to Memphis, I was just feeling it was going, I, I've got a really good feeling about this. Because these other songs, like I say, they're, they're sort of easier songs. They sort of play themselves, the songs on to Memphis. And yeah, day one, we got six songs day one and got the other five day two, mixed it in day three and sat there with Matt Rossbang at the end of the night going, that sounds like an album to me. Uh, let's put that out. Single thing that I love you, I've 
So yeah, no, it's like it's trial and error. Yeah, there's there definitely have been goals. I've definitely set goals along the way. They're they're good to have, but I, one of the best thing about them is when you set them and, and then you you know they they just they change. Yeah, or you just surpass it at something sort of more than more than you expect. It comes with it. Now you deal with that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was recorded in Sam Phillips Recording Studios in Memphis. Shit, because they both have such a, a similar sonic sort of character. I just assumed that there were, it was all like the one session. No, Muscle Shoals we did down in Fame Studios, Rick Hall's old place. Um, Class. Yeah, and then did the Americana stuff up in Sam Phillips. Muscle Shoals is beautiful. It's arranged that everything perfectly got there. But for me, to Memphis is just. Like, that's the one that I would just listen to an awful lot more. Like, you know, there's just such depth there, you know? Um, especially the likes of Christ and the Crook. There's yeah. darkness there. There's there's light. <laughs> there's Is everything that you say, is it okay to ask you, like, about that song in particular? Do you know what? I It's, it's a song. You know what? It's like yourself. You're a songwriter. Songs are a mixture of everything, aren't they? A mixture of yeah. a wee bit of truth and then throw a wee bit of... We put a potty in there. Yeah. We put a <laughs> we put a melted crayon juice for a bit of color, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. You gotta do it. You, you, we all got our tricks. But yeah, I, I always liked that song. That's that's the thing. Like, there's all the songs in that record. I'm glad that you you like that one. Uh, like song wise, I prefer that that record this this you know, as well. Um, but the, all those songs. They just would never have seen the light of day otherwise. Do you know what I mean? No, no one else was gonna ever put them out. Because, uh, quite frankly, they're not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had to do it. Anna Jean, darling, don't leave me on the current of my drinking. Oh, the fact that I don't like the church But still love the Lord Please believe me I know that river Twice as well as you And the church will be better after I'm Supporting Rodney Crowell there, the first day that he met Emily Harris and she was like, I really love that song of yours. Let's meet up and, and see what else you got. And he went out and wrote about three or four songs that he thought these would be class for Emily Harris. These are the perfect Emily Harris songs. And... The song that actually that she loved was a very personal song and they never the met up and he was gunked because she was like, no, no. Like you would say that there, you know, as in they're not, you know, inverted commas, maybe good because maybe because they are very sort of introspective and, and whatever. But I mean, but like I, I listen to that song, there's a uh, like a tapestry of images, you know, that'll probably be the exact same every time I see it. You know, I've connected to that song and probably that's what a singer wants. Isn't it a wild thing when that happens, you know, like like music and its composite parts, you know, the, the, the lyric, the melody, the cadence of it, uh, 
But like all, all that shit, them just when it when it comes together, right? Like you say, there's this. It sort of unlocks something else, a, a, you know, another dimension that only music can do. You, you you can't talk about it. There's no point talking about it because it's it's what you just put the put the record on. You know what I mean? You want to hear what I'm talking about? Put the record on. In this day and age, with social media and all that sort of stuff, it doesn't always be the case. But you're just you're happy just to. It's almost like by the time everybody's sort of talking about what you've done, you're on to the next thing. You're recording two albums in in Memphis and Muscle Shows, like when they're still talking about, you know, some other album, like you know. I think it always has to be next. It always has to be next year. Yeah. I, I I wouldn't do this if I wasn't if I didn't stay interested. You know what I mean? If I wasn't interested in this, uh, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't stay here. I couldn't because it's too hard a slog. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's too hard a slog. You, like you you need to you need to love this. You know, but the thing is, like, kind of yeah, I did all that though. You know what I mean? If I if I had have had access to Twitter and Instagram back in whatever two thousand and five when I was releasing the first thing EP or whatever. I probably would have used anything. Just at the time, what what was available to me was uh, were support slots. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just took every support slot I could, and sold. You know, went out and sold my CDs. You know, packed them up, counted them down, drove back to the hotel, drove to the next place, did the same again, did that for years. Um, yeah, now I work a bit smarter, just I guess. <laughs> up when you say you want it no don't ever lose your will to fight oh Wayne when you think upon it anything any walk of life just stay interested that way you won't end up in a job that you don't like <laughs> or uh, you know or, or writing stuff that you, you you listen back and don't feel connected to for whatever reason you know what I mean because you'll have been uh you know, you won't have let that happen and all the incremental steps towards getting there. Because you've been fucking interested in it. And it shows, you know, that's what happens. When you're genuinely interested, it's like making sure you everything you do, you're doing it for that, you know, for that reason. And don't think about... I think so many people think about what's going to happen with the music, you know, how... Is it playable on radio? If it is playable on radio, what kind of radio? All that bullshit. It's like, it doesn't fucking matter. Write the fucking song. Write the song and then you, and then you can figure all that stuff out. If it is any of that. Or maybe it's nothing. No need for to think it over. No need to beat around the bushel now. Your live show has always been, since I ever knew you, it's been incredible, it's been engaging, be it you on the, just on the acoustic, the loop station, the band, and there's always spontaneity to it, which I always took a lot from that, it's like, let's just go by the seat of our pants, and do you know what, if we really be honest and open with the audience, and give it all, if we fall on our ass, they'll be okay. Aye. Do you still sort of work like that? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh. <laughs> I do. Well, you have to because I think the truth is you're going to fuck it up, right? You're going to write a bad song or you're going to write a good song and you're going to sing it bad some night or, you know, uh, it's important to kind of go into it with that feeling of it's never going to be perfect, is it? it? Is what it is. I do love uh, playing live, you know, 
Um, missed that actually. Genuinely missed that. That that feeling of all you all being there together and having at it. There's a hit. But I can't be singing that. I can't be singing about Doritos and getting away with it. <laughs> Only our dearest uh, Ginger Jesus can do that. <laughs> That's what I loved, I think, especially about the last one. Thank you for asking. I mean, that was just that was just you going, maybe you all know what's going to come next. No, nah, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that was a fun song and a fun video to make. That was in Beale Street in Memphis when we were there recording it. In fact, we didn't end up putting that on the album. Uh, I ended up just releasing a, a little demo of it. Jesus class. And the wee lead, it sounds like an old 30s Epiphone style. That's oh, exactly what it is. Well, early 40s Epiphone, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Class. Oh, it sounds class. Ears, ears on you. <laughs> Check you out. Check out the ears on Brett. <laughs> I'd imagine that Memphis and Muscle Shows, you, you had that bucket loads, that adrenaline that was just, you know, because, I mean, you were all in the same room pretty much, weren't you? Yeah, no, we were all in the same room. Not pretty much. We were all in the same room, full stop. Yeah. Uh, but the room was built for that. The room was built for that. You know, the, the, those guys are one of a handful of studios that still have rooms dedicated to just echo chambers. You know, a load of studios turned that into another writing room or something that's just, you know, rightly so, perhaps because they needed to make ends meet. But yeah. uh, this, there was able to keep all that shit, which was so integral to the sound of that time. You find pretty girls east and west But the girls here in Texas that was the thing, I never really could see genre, and that turned out, ended up being a problem with me as an artist, you know, it was like, well, we don't know what to do with him, you know, he's not this and he's not that. Um, there was no sort of continuity in the songs that were writing, they were all kind of songs. And I think that's that's how I listened to music growing up. You know, I was uh, as moved by Anarchy in the UK as I was by Little Green Apples by John Denver. They both were fucking incredible you know I knew any time I put those songs on I'd really feel something and loads of shit in between I just loved it all Ray Charles was of course a vocalist that, an artist a writer performer you know that I think everyone that goes on a, a musical journey of songwriting and if you like soul you can't, you can't mention songwriting or soul or, or you know without uh, coming to Ray Charles sooner or later I once loved a girl from the mountains And I rushed like the flow of a fountain She was sweet as a rose But as the old story goes So many uh, great vocalists from back home, actually, when you think about it. So many great singers. What about Big Ken Harding? Right, you know what? I remember when I first uh, 
Metcan. I, I, I can't remember what year it was, but long, long while ago. But uh, um, I remember first hearing him sing in Woolsey's Bar on a Sunday. And just, uh, yeah, jaw dropping. Uh, yeah, he's, he's incredible. I framed a picture and it's hanging in my mind. The room is dark, so I'll dream of better times. Can't bring myself that the sun shine in my eyes. So I think I'll sleep a while. Think I'll sleep while. I would get from time to time, you know, what would you say to, you know, an up and coming artist? You know, what should, what should we do here? And it's a, it's such a tricky one to answer because to answer correctly anyway, yeah, you give some kind of blanket advice and, you know, sometimes I do because uh, time is of the essence or whatever and I just give it and we're gone. But to give a proper answer to that, it's like you really need to figure out who these people are and what their desires are, what their actual desires are. A lot of people mask what their actual desires are in this facade of what they think their desires should be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What they sh- what they yeah. should be perceived as as opposed to what they actually are. I think you got to get to the bottom of that and go like, what do you actually want? If that is to be playing to thousands of people or, or whatever and selling thousands of CDs, then that's one plan. And that's definitely going to take you away from home. Uh, if it's to be selling stadiums, and sell millions of CDs, well, good luck. Uh, uh, but also, there is a strategy that you can try. It will be 10 years of the hardest graft you've ever had. You know, it's even beyond the talent to hold such a thing together. Uh, just the fucking work ethic to do something like that. Uh, yeah, it's about being realistic about what, what do you want. I've spoken to a few folks back home, younger artists coming up, and one of the things that excites me most is when they're just... Their interest is just the song. They just want to write songs. They've still got a plan to go and become something else after they leave university and a nurse or whatever it is, but they just are loving the music. And I think, well, there you go. There's the best goal. That's win-win because you, you don't need anything to do that. Just sit other than your guitar yeah. or your imagination. Don't even need your guitar. <laughs> you you want to do something with that, then it starts to get a bit more complicated, right? Scenery's changing and it warms my soul I'm too in a master and I don't yet to go So get your boots on And you walk in cold We're together to leave our footprints Those folks that, you know, have these dreams for selling out stadiums or I want to be a star or whatever Fucking good luck, you know. Ten years of the hardest graft with very less than a less than a very little guarantee of success. But you know, but the but there's a roadmap for it that you can jump through all these hoops. Just try and find the right. You know, it's a it's a head. That's a head fuck of a roadmap, and I wouldn't want to help anyone that wanted was interested in that. I would never want to be working with or interested in being around because it's not it's not healthy.
Now, whenever you're walking into a room with somebody like Alicia Keys, are you walking in there writing a Foy Vance song because that's who you are? Or like, aye, well, it's just well, that's that's my that's my fun. You know what I mean? That's my that's what I like doing. No, when I'm writing for when I'm doing my own records, I I I would be too painstaking to write with anyone else. Uh, I wouldn't be fun to work with. But when I'm trying to inhabit someone else's vernacular, it's a lot easier. You know what I mean? Um, which I never thought I would do. Like I never, I never set out to co-write. Never. Uh, in fact, Ed had asked me to uh, reached out to me about co-writing just before he released the first album, and he sent me a couple of songs. He sent me a team and another song. I can't remember what it was. And I got back to him going, "Dude, these sound great. Absolutely great. I, but you don't need me. Like this is. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be able to even write." A song like this you know thanks for reaching out but and actually suggested a couple of other artists i thought maybe you know if you're looking co-writers maybe write with these folks um so i had no interest in it. it was only when i went on tour with them then later on and just by osmosis just being around the guitars are always out and then a song was happening uh, and i sort of didn't even really know that we'd co-written you know we're just hanging making music uh and then it was like oh we wrote a song and then we wrote another and then i uh yeah i just realized that i actually enjoyed it it was like a release you know uh like kind of i guess like sparring for a fighter you know there's there's the sparring session and then there's the actual fight you know that you're preparing for uh it was good to kind of be making music but be a bit more, I don't know, be a bit more free and, and listening to, like I say, just listening to someone else's, yeah, where they're coming from and trying to eke that out a bit, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I still do. Mr. Vance, thank you so much for being on See You Yours. Thanks for having me, Matt again. And so concludes another episode of See You at Yours with myself, Matt McGinn. Many thanks to you all for listening. Thanks to Mr. Foy Vance, the one and only, for being a lovely guest. And thanks, of course, to Two Stacks Whiskey for helping us out with this episode. Check out their wonderful range at twostackswhiskey.com. And I'll see you next time.